And we're back. Welcome to episode three of the Canadian Dropshippers podcast. I'm Sam, and uh, I'm joined by Chris today. We have a new guest on the show. I'm very excited to uh, bring him on because I've been speaking with him for the literally since yesterday. But um, he 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 has this cool company that you know. The moment I heard it, I'm like, all right, you got to get on the podcast. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Jonathan. He's the CEO of Curex. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, how's it going so far? Pretty good, pretty good. So me and Chris have been chatting with Jonathan for a while. Um, basically, Curex is a uh, online like currency exchange platform. Um, what you do on Curex is, well, you know what? You can explain it better than I can. Sure, I'm yeah, I'll it. take it away. Absolutely. So Curex is designed as an online currency exchange platform where you can exchange money and send funds to any country you'd like in up to 40 different currencies if you need to. So it's designed for companies that are dealing in international business that import and export, or in this case, do a lot of e-commerce and dropshipping. Right. So, and uh, you know what? The I, I I heard about that, and biggest thing I could think of was this thing's going to be great for dropshippers here, especially Canadian and American, but just the Canadian ones that are doing it in America and Canada. Mm-hmm. So, what's uh, what's the unique part about Curex? So I would say the Curex, well, first of all, if you have to exchange funds through your bank or if you have to exchange money through your credit cards or PayPal, the fees are very high. So it could be upwards of 5% of all your money. So if you think about sending $10,000, it's 500 bucks right out of your pocket. And the banks kind of hide that. They don't really tell you that you're taking that charge. So right. Curex has built some global bank partners to give it away for 1% as opposed to that upwards of 5%. So it's basically 80% cheaper. So you can put 400 bucks back in your pocket on that ten thousand dollar transaction. Wow! Yeah. See, and we, as dropshippers, we transfer a lot of money. True. So that's that's actually pretty significant because um, when I used to run U.S. stores and I had currency like in the in U.S. dollars in my accounts, and I need to bring them back, I definitely I'd lose like four or five hundred dollars per transaction. I feel, and then that was like just recurring, and now. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same issue that's uh, sort of facing us here in Canada, um, because I'm having I'm promoting the fact that people should be dropshipping within Canada, as opposed to the United States, mm-hmm. and it's not really, it's it's a bit challenging because a lot of our suppliers are still in the states they're not here, and what ends up happening is that because these suppliers are in the states they can't bill us in Canadian dollars, we have to still bill our customers in Canadian dollars, so our customers then will pay us and then we have to pay the supplier back but the suppliers build us in US mm-hmm. we're here in Canadian so that thing needs to be converted and margins are already like we're it's tough to fight for margins here right so we have like expensive products but if along we, with shipping and duties yeah along with shipping and duties yeah. so like already we're cut down as it is and whatever that's left and we got to pay the guy back for that the wholesale cost or we have we have to pay our credit card back or something right mm-hmm. When we actually have to end up doing that, if we really can't afford to lose any more fees, because True. once we do it, um, so we're down the shipping cost, we're down the 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 duty cost, we're down the wholesale cost. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like like what the profit might just end up. I wouldn't be happy with that. I mean, profit's a profit, but you know. Yeah, I mean, if you can find a way to save on the on the uh, transferring fee itself, then I don't see why. Yeah, like better. literally, like if I'm mm-hmm. saving at least every dollar counts in this case, right? Because 
it might not seem like much, especially like because you guys you guys are you know also doing foreign exchange and you guys are in banking, but yeah. especially to personal guys like the guys that do drop shipping, they're more in it for personal profit for their families or themselves, mm-hmm. right? These guys just want to travel. We want to have location independent lives. Maybe just chill chill out the rest of our lives in Thailand mm-hmm. and just make money online. You know, yeah. Um, but that's the whole point, really. Yeah. We want to help the small guys, the right. hustlers, the you know business owners, entrepreneurs that are trying to make a life for themselves. Oh, so you and, guys are like totally small business oriented. Yeah, we're totally. We were focused on the small businesses because, like, the banks when you're smaller don't give. Am I allowed to swear on here? Oh, of course. Okay, <laughs> so the banks that uh, deal with smaller companies they don't give a fuck about the customer. Right. It's because they don't give a fuck about you. They just give you high fees, all percentage wise. Right. It's much higher. If you were making millions of dollars in revenue, then they start to you know like you a little bit better, give you a better mm-hmm. relationship, but they just don't care about you at this stage. So we're yeah. coming in to help the masses, and we like to think of ourselves a little bit as like Robin Hood. You know, we're stealing from the big bad banks, giving back to the small guys, right. helping all the guys, all the hustlers out there because they was, deserve it. You're not you stealing; know? you're just like reappropriating, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Move it, moving it around. Yeah, um, but see that exactly because for the small yeah. guys, it's the it could just be the $40 and honestly yeah. transferring through Curex if it saves us like even 30 bucks or 40 bucks in fees mm-hmm. that to us is a difference between a sale that's netted us 40% dollars in, so $40 in profit okay. versus $80 in profit and that is a huge yeah, difference true. that's a yeah. huge difference especially if you repeat it a couple times a day mm-hmm. you're repeating it. it over the week Jeez, I don't even know the savings like per month we could honestly just save like two grand from you guys just using you alone yeah, that's awesome. We'd love to help. Right? Yeah. Which is which is just which is just huge. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up a situation where you'd really see the need for Curex. Um, so you're you're starting off an e-commerce store in Canada, and you're mm-hmm. we already talked about this in niche selection last time and like how to start dropshipping in Canada with our first podcast. But you know you get started in, you know in the Canadian market it's a little bit harder. That's why we usually suggest going to the U.S. first. But if you wanted to tackle the Canadian market, you have to deal with negotiating with suppliers because. They have their um, their uh, misconceptions about Canadian dropshipping, and they might not want to work with you because of whatever reasons, but when they finally do agree after you convince them, they're going to send you a price list. And a lot of the times, if you're working with American suppliers, they'll send you that price list in um, American dollars, and you better expect that when you have an order placed on your Canadian website in Canadian dollars, you're going to have to send that payment in American. Yeah, yeah. and then when you have to transfer these currencies over... Uh yeah, it's, and it's how, a, how would they do that? They do it through a bank, I guess, initially, or yeah, I mean, through a wire. Yeah, so they'll typically like the uh, yeah. the suppliers will have um, either like a credit card on file, or they might um, arrange some type of payment method with you because everyone's different, right? I've had some suppliers tell me that they just want to have a check written out and sent to this address. Yeah, whatever. Wow. I, yeah, yeah, one of our suppliers right <laughs> now Archaic, they right? they don't yeah. do credit cards. They have to take a money wire, so oh, okay. I can't wire them. With, like I, I'm with TD Bank right now, right? Because I'm just doing it in Canada. Okay. So I have a like a checkings account in Canadian dollars. Um, I'll mm-hmm. probably need a still a U.S. credit card for these American suppliers, mm-hmm. right? So that's the thing, though. You see, like so many different suppliers coming up with different ways of how they like to be paid, but you're kind of noticing that there's a, a gap in this in this uh, industry that needs to be fulfilled. And I feel yeah. like Curex would be a really good solution for that. Yeah. It definitely sounds like there's a lot of use cases, right? If you do have to pay a supplier in another currency, that's what we do. Like, you don't have to walk into your bank. It's cheaper on the foreign exchange, and we don't charge wire fees as well. Plus, we're, we're like, upfront about it. Like, we're telling you exactly what the cost is. Right. Whereas banks kind of say, here's your exchange rate, which oh, is man. a fancy way of saying, we just want to charge what we want so you don't understand what we're charging you. Yeah. Why would you want to deal with somebody like that? 
I, I saw something like that. I was like, I was trying yeah. to do it with TD, and it's like one equals one point three or something, and just yeah. the numbers kept going on, and it's just yeah. this is what you this is one, well the current exchange is one point one point three years, and yeah. then I get the receipt at the end, and then it's like subtraction like un, unintelligible fee subtraction yeah. wire <laughs> fees were sixty bucks or something. Yeah. It was so so much. Like, yeah, I don't think I made any money from that sale, to be honest with you. I think, like, <laughs> I actually ended up losing, like, $2 just doing all of that, yeah, so. It's crazy. Yeah. But the banks make another billion, you know, in profit that quarter or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah we're, so. we're sitting here trying to make do with our map policies and versus our, you know, our wholesale prices, and I mean, it yeah. makes it kind of hard, right? Yeah. And it also makes it hard for the consumer here now, so. When I'm when I the reason is because I I want I'm thinking of Curex's applications especially to our listeners I I like the application that it does provide already to Canadian dropshippers that mm-hmm. will choose to dropship within Canada but the bigger like a lot majority of our people they sell and deal entirely like exclusively in the U S mm-hmm. but for these people I think Curex is also going to be very good because while they have a they're dealing in U S dollars and they're converting it stuff. Um, they don't have to convert it because they're just paying off their U.S. credit cards with their U.S. dollar accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end result, when they have that money left over in the U.S. checkings account and they want to use it in Canada, it's going to have to be brought over. And that, that I feel like Curex would be a tremendous fit in because, I, I honestly, I think it'll be fantastic because I, when I did it before and everything was done in U.S. dollars, I didn't have to worry about currency conversions then. Mm-hmm. I honestly feel like I paid TD Bank maybe an extra $1,000 every month, wow. which I could have kept for myself. Based on the amount, I was just transferring this money over like almost every every week, I would say, mm-hmm. because, I mean, this is my full-time, my full-time job is drop shipping, right? Mm-hmm. So this is how I make my living, but to make my living, I, you know, even if it's in U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. bills are paid in Canadian dollars. So yeah. whenever I would transfer the money over, I honestly, like literally, I feel like I paid about thousand to fifteen hundred dollars every month just to TD Bank alone, just with the fees that I'm charged converting this money back to Canadian dollars and bringing it in. Yeah, that's crazy. How are you supposed to buy your Lambo then? You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, quick question, Jonathan. So, if sure. if our users wanted to find out more about Curex, um, what would you suggest they do? I mean, probably the best way is just go to curex.com. So, c u r e x e dot com. You can look up our social accounts on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. It's all the same stuff. And then um, yeah, we've got a YouTube channel as well, so we've got a few videos out there. Nice. Um, but the best way is just go to the website. Feel free to give me a call. I'd love to chat about the business you're running and kind of figure it out from there. And you can email us at any time as well. And we'll you, guys, you guys are a Canadian company, right? Total and through. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's all we yeah. promote now. It's like all Canadian all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, we'll be sure to drop your uh, contact information for the users in the show notes. Yeah, a little bit sure. listed down there. So I had another question, though, because with Curex here, what I was wondering was how is, like, what, do you ima- what are you, like, really looking for small businesses here in Canada? Because a lot of us, dropshipping is usually just a first step. We, a ton of us move on to Amazon FBA uh, we actually have a guy um, in our community. His name is Bing. Uh, dude's a killer in e-commerce. Dude, nice. like he runs massive volume just okay. in U.S. and now in Canada as well. Shout out to Bing. Shout out to Bing. <laughs> um, we we have a few actually. We have a few successful guys like uh, that are like really doing well, um, like Bing and Gabrielle um, and Ari. But so for these guys, like dropshipping is just a first step because they want to then move on into Amazon FBA and now. Mm. that FBA, Amazon FBA is like totally different beast. 
money's mm-hmm. always converted. We're paying suppliers in China. We're okay. um, then we're bringing the money around, and Amazon's taking their cuts. So we're mm-hmm. like, and we're pretty cash strapped when it comes to that. But I think you think Curex would have like a good application for like Chinese suppliers as well. Oh, there's no question. So we actually send a ton of money to China currently. So oh, yeah. if you're within Canada and you need to make a payment to China, we're well situated for that. You could actually do um, uh, Chinese like Remimbi and Yuan. So you could mm-hmm. pay in Yuan's if you'd like to. But usually it's done in U.S. dollars. We find with our customers. So oh. yeah, That's definitely really a use case there. So they're just doing more volumes as FBA, then, yeah, it would definitely help. Uh, then I think that uh, for the guys that are, like, looking to do FBA, that, that'll be a good fit because this that's the reason why I'm so excited to have you guys on because a lot of people, they, they do try to sell, they do try to promote, and maybe they'll offer a functionality here. Um, mm-hmm. They might offer something here, but there's only a few software companies that we've run across mm-hmm. who are actually, like, just literally telling you, like, we'll save you money, right? And there's nothing mm-hmm. else to it. You don't have to pay us. Just do it through our platform, and you're you're just gonna save money. And that's it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. And like since I found out about you guys, you guys are pretty much gonna be the only ones I'm using now for transferring all my currencies through. We'd love to help. Yeah, Absolutely. because no. yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I think I've paid TD enough for like someone's year <laughs> for someone's yearly salary by this point. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and I mean honestly, like you can set up for a free account. Our rate is like right on the front page when you go to transfer now. So you can just compare and stuff like that, and, and you'll see how much cheaper we are. So yeah, yeah oh yeah, I saw that you guys like you'll show them like how much yeah. money they'll save. If yeah, they we'd go. rather show you up front instead of you know hiding it in this rate and like making you look it up online. What so basically how it works is when you do currency exchanges, it's a market. Mm-hmm. So you have buyers and sellers of the currency, and it's what's called the mid market rate. So all that means all the rate is is the price, and what the bank does is it buys the currency that you need at the mid market rate. And then it just increases it by usually about 3 to 5%, sells it back to you at a premium. So it's all the bank's doing. They're just buying it at market prices right in front of you, selling it back to you at a higher premium, and that's what they do. So instead of like hiding all that, and of course they're not telling you they're doing that, but that's yeah. what's happening. We'll just give you the rate right up front. This is what you're being charged, and it's always 1%. That's all you have to worry about. You that's know, pretty interesting. Actually, you just thought about the situation. Um, I know like, I have to do a wire transfer when I uh, have to pay off my tuition for my school here in Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm from Dallas originally, so you know, coming yeah. here, I have to like, really try to figure out how to like, the, get the whole wiring situation working because they, on their guide on the site, it's like, just, yeah, just send an email transfer. Mm-hmm. as easy as that. But you know, in America, they don't have the email transfer, so I'm sitting here trying to figure out ways, and then they take a nice fat chunk of uh, you know, fees just just for me to send off my tuition payments. So I, I feel like that could be also a use. I could yeah, use personal. Tuition payments are huge, though. They must take off, like, a big chunk. Mm-hmm. Like, how much are you sending through, like, about? Well, yeah, so for, for me, um, I picked York. So yeah. York is a little bit cheaper on the international fees comparatively to, like, U of T or anything. Yeah. But, oh, okay. Still uh, but I'd say about, like, 15 grand Jeez. for a semester, you know? Yeah. And that's U.S. dollars you're sending through. Yeah. So. Yeah, they'll, they'll take off a chunk, especially. Yeah. Absolutely. It's nuts. They don't have e-transfer in the States? They don't have e-transfer in the States. They just have, like, money wires. And, um, well, I mean, what, last time I checked, at least. I mean, I've been there for a couple mm-hmm. of, I've been here in Canada for a couple of months now. Many things have changed. But when I was there, I wasn't even aware that e-transfers even existed. Well, so e-transfer is uh, built by Interact. And mm-hmm. Interact is a Canadian uh, organization, which is interesting because they're actually owned by the big banks. Oh, and, and so naturally, they put caps on everything, too. So to use Interact online... If you're a business owner with a good relationship with a bank, they might allow you to do $10,000 at the absolute maximum. 
most often it's anywhere from two thousand to three thousand. Yeah, interact. Yeah, they won't and they charge me. you a dollar fifty for that, which still and people like in the UK or Europe, that's like unheard of to charge a dollar fifty. And the reason they only charge, or the reason they charge a dollar fifty and cap it, is because they want you to send a wire. Because the wires anywhere from thirty to like even eighty dollars, they can. Wow. So yeah. they want you to send a wire, and they don't allow you to do that online. So they ask you to walk inside a bank to do it. So just everything about the user experience is unsettling, and that's where the pain points came yeah. from. Yeah, that's why we exist today. No, absolutely. TD gave me that same same crap because yeah. they have their U.S. bank like. You can get, I believe, a U.S. dollar checking account with a Canadian TD Bank. Yeah, you can. But uh, yeah. what I, when I first did it, I thought like I just get a U.S. debit account with TD mm -hmm. because there, there's like I forget, but there's a fee attached to just doing it here if you're like Canadian-based mm -hmm. U.S. TD. I don't know what it was, but it's a minuscule fee. But there is a fee. Um, what ended up happening was they wouldn't let me transfer my the money I had saved there to my Canadian bank account, mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't even e-transfer it like because that's TD there. And they wouldn't let me e-transfer that money like across, and it was just a hundred bucks. It's crazy. And they yeah. wouldn't even let me do it. And they're like, I called them up, and she's like, um, "Yeah, we're not set up for that." And I had to go back and forth with them for about uh, like twenty minutes. Yeah. And then afterwards, she's like, "You gotta go inside a TD Bank with two pieces of ID, and then the guy will call a guy on our end who will then call a guy on some other area, and then <laughs> yeah. this guy will authorize the transfer, yeah. and then within three to five business day." This money will then uh, leave your account and land into your, your Canadian account. Yeah. But we need your routing number, transit number, et cetera, et cetera. And there's going to be a wire fee attached to it. It shows you how archaic like the banking system is because all money is today is a number and a database. Yeah. And it should be so seamless to move around. As easy as texting or email. It's just not in Canada. We I, have a ton of issues yeah. with it. And not only that, like the banks charge you to move your money around guys keep in mind we're doing them a favor by depositing funds with them mm -hmm. we deposit 10 grand with them they can 10x that money and loan out a big loan to somebody else or multiple loans yeah. to other people so like in the uk and europe they think it's unheard of to charge anything yeah i mean it's, it's just that oligopoly that controls the market right they just they have no reason to move and and keep in mind they're a public company which means they answer to shareholders and all shareholders care about is more profit, mm -hmm. right? Higher earnings or higher dividend payments, that's all they care about. And when you own the whole market, you just have to charge more for the current customers that you have. Well, so. I wonder why they do that in Europe, but like they don't do it in Europe, but they do it here. Well, there's more competition, right? In Europe? More competition, yeah, between oh, wow. banks, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think about it and you know, all that stuff is really wrong. But um, I'm just thinking just from our perspective as a consumer, like that whole like running around and trying to get the transfer set up, it's really takes a long time to do. And I'm thinking like as a drop shipper, okay, I just have a big order place that was B2B. I'm excited for this sale. I want it to go through. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, a four hour ordeal with trying to get this transfer at the bank and I don't want to have a bunch of fees eating up my profits. Mm -hmm. So how would you say with Curex, um, how easy is it to like, you know, facilitate that transfer and like is the like what's the interface like? So it's really easy. It takes less than three minutes to sign up online. Once you're set up, you just have to let us know where you're sending the money. It could be your China supplier, it could be to yourself mm -hmm. if you're just exchanging funds. Uh, once that's done, it takes less than 30 seconds online, and you're finished. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a lot easier than having to walk down to a bank yeah. and lineups. I did. I didn't get and if you've ever tried to send a wire to teller, oh, my God. Like, they just don't know how to do it. It's like yeah. they're not trained on how to do it. They never have the information available. They have to always talk to their manager to get feedback on if they're doing it right. That doesn't give you a lot of um, 
It know, sounds like you've simplified the process a lot for yeah. people doing it online. Like, yeah. I, I wonder why banks still make it so complicated to do it. Well, they have branches, right? And they have to pay for people at the branches and the real estate. So they don't That's have true. a lot of incentive to change quickly. Yeah. Plus, their technology is so archaic. It's actually very hard for them to offer an online solution, something not something. That, that's very true yeah. because that's basically the premise us dropshippers also run off of is yeah. the fact that we can offer map pri uh, prices um, mm -hmm. with, like, another deeper, like, 10% off discount on our products already that are super cheap. Yeah. And that's how we basically corner the market and we win because oh, okay. um, all Price. of our competitors, they have physical stores, they have employees that need to be paid, they have electric cost, gas, like water, all this stuff. Got it. And because of that, they don't have, they can't operate at the low margins we can yeah. and, and that, that we can secure a sale in. So that's actually pretty true because then you guys are like a tech company, you're online only, mm -hmm. you don't have those costs associated with um, <clears throat> TD Bank, or who has employees to pay at every branch, um, and they're going to try to get as much out of you as possible, or even any other bank. And you know what's fascinating, too? It's like, it, what's ironic, actually, is we actually use banks. So we're just as safe as a bank. We use banks. We use Desjardins within Canada through mm -hmm. ZagBank, right. owned, by, uh, owned by Desjardins, and Barclays Bank to do our global payments. So it's kind of ironic, but like these banks saw the opportunity to actually provide a good experience to the customer. And that's why they've entered the market and allowed us to use technology to offer these payments easier. That's that's yeah. that's that's really good because then there's like that trust aspect as well. Yeah, it's all insured. Your money's all insured. It's yeah. all safe. But it, and we bash the banks a little bit sometimes. But it's like we're literally using banks to do it too. <laughs> we just built built a better way to. Do I feel that. like you guys are going to be like the next PayPal. We, you know what's awesome too about that? So there's something called the PayPal Mafia. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. No. So no, it's Peter Thiel yeah, Peter Thiel and, and uh, you know, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk and all the guys. So the PayPal Mafia are all the founders of PayPal. Uh -huh. And after that, they'll branch off to make multi-billion dollar companies and, and be billionaires. So the PayPal Mafia are people that have branched off and became billionaires. And we always have this hashtag, the Curex Mafia. <laughs> and we post that on everything. And it's like our team vibe thing. That we got oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. definitely. You guys are... Because I, I read that uh, book by Peter Thiel, Zero to One. And, awesome book. Yeah, One and I was just favorites. like, I was just reading it. And I'm like, you know, this reminds me so much of you guys. Because he's talking about like why you shouldn't aim to, like why you should aim to have a monopoly. Yeah. Right? And you should basically see if there's someone that's settled, like settled in a space. Yeah. Like you guys are about as disruptive, I feel like, um, to online banking and finance. And especially Forex as well like Uber was to the taxi industry or Airbnb is now to the hotel industry, I feel. Well, I appreciate that sound, but I don't know if we're that disruptive, but yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, like you guys yeah. are making it easy. Um, you're yeah, you're going to save people yeah. money. It's yeah. it's a no-brainer. I don't know why nobody, anyone wouldn't like well, do it, right? Well, we're growing really quick, so yeah. that's a pretty a pretty good testament as to why it's so valuable. So are you guys always going to be focused on small businesses or is there going to be opportunities to perhaps expand more? Yeah, we would expand more. We want to stay laser-focused and help the entrepreneurs. We're entrepreneurs ourselves, so we like to help them. Uh, we know the struggles of being an entrepreneur. It's always a chicken or egg problem or, you know, a profits thing. So there's low margins or you're yeah. trying to make it happen. So we love that. Those are our people. Like, we connect well with those people. So that's our first target market. But we can expand to a ton of other stuff as well. So, and, Okay, so, like, if I, if I had my, my profits that I had in U.S. dollars from a bunch of my dropshipping orders I fulfilled and I just have this money sitting in my account, and, okay, now I want to transfer it and enjoy it my Canadian dollar and pay myself or whatever. Um, how long does it take for it to be deposited into your account? 
So that's the one thing. So it could take anywhere from two to four days. So there's a bit of a delay on it, but you get a massive amount of savings to do it. Because yeah. if you have US dollars in your TD account, for example, you can easily move that over to Canadian. It'll be fairly instant, I think, on your maybe a day delay. Um, but the fees are very high. It could be like 3% of all their money that they're taking from you. So mm -hmm. bit of a delay, but as long as you time it right and you don't need the cash instantly, yeah. then we're, I mean, you're saving money. So and it's up to you what you want. And you were telling us earlier how um, if you exchanged at the right time, you could still put even more money in your pocket and you had like a resource on that, right? Yeah, so I used to be a trader, uh, a yeah. stock trader, and we used what's called technical analysis. All this is is basically chart patterns and psychological levels that traders use to get in and out of markets. So let me probably summarize that a little yeah. cleaner. So you have in a market, if there's more buyers than there is sellers, the price goes up. And what happens is when they look at the chart, they'll see a lot of you know, buyers at one certain price. Let's call it 20 bucks. There's a lot of buyers at that price and never goes below that $20 price. Because when it hits the 20, everybody's buying. To them, that's the bottom. Good time to get in to have the price increase. So basically, these people watch the markets to find better times to enter or exit. So for example, if you're sitting on those US dollars and you don't need them and you can wait, Basically, I can teach you technical analysis to find a better time to sell the U.S. dollars. So you're selling it for a higher price. Basically, you get to keep more Canadian dollars in your pocket based on the information that we've collected. And we've got some YouTube content out there and stuff like that and be more than willing to chat further with yeah. it. But yeah, we'll sure that. drop that in the notes as well. But yeah. it's like, okay, so I'm sitting here and I have like a bunch of orders and profits that I've accrued. Yeah. And you're saying that from watching these YouTube videos, I can kind of get an uh, insight on when to do the trade to pay myself so I'm getting more money back instead of losing it to just the exchange rate. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. everyone talks about like um, when you're getting paid in U.S. dollars and, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of these guys, they won't even transfer their money through. They'll just keep like a Hawkeye view on the exchange rates and they're like, yeah, now the range is good. They're like, yeah. run down to the bank and hope it doesn't change much <laughs> during the time they're there yeah. and uh, like get a change. But then obviously then there's the other good aspect of it. Um, or not even run down to the bank, but do it online, but then they'll still make more money if they just do it through your platform. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like when the timing's good, that's awesome. The banks will take a big chunk of that still. Yeah. So you'll notice that wherever the price is at, they'll like subtract like 3% off that price. That's a good way to do it. So, so, and it's interesting when you look at the chart, if you would take off 3% of that, you'll see it's much lower. The rate, and then you'll see the rate and the difference. Wow. So it's a pretty big delta. It looks actually huge on a chart. Yeah. Like, like almost like makes your stomach, like wow. it makes you cringe a little bit. How much <laughs> to take. You're like, wait a second, I should be selling it for that price, but they're exiting yeah. it at this price, much lower than it, what the chart's showing. And everyone's like... A little like, bit for sure. Yeah, and everyone like thinks that, you know, might not be significant for once, but if you're doing it even more than once, yeah. Over time, like guys that have been drop shipping for what, like a couple years, yeah. the amount of money these guys would have moved back and forth just using a bank, mm -hmm. converting the money, I I would literally bet everything that these guys have easily paid the banks like ten grand more than they needed to, mm -hmm. and that could be an extra ten thousand, which is no like even a, even a dollar is really nothing to joke about really when it comes to mm -hmm. making profits, um, but. That ten grand that that they have paid the banks over a couple of years, like this stuff adds up over time, right? Yeah, it definitely does, especially in this business where you need to just constantly do it. But that's that's really good. There was um there was something else that I was thinking about because there could be an application there within, which which was um. 
investment-wise, you mentioned, okay. right? So for these guys, a lot of these guys, they're like our listeners. Um, they're they they don't listen to podcasts just to, you know, just to listen to us. They they yeah. want to learn. They uh, they're more interested in what other people talk about. Um, me myself, like I learned, like you know, when I was starting off. All I did when I was driving, like, I, I'd deliver pizzas. I'd be listening to podcasts. And nice. Yeah, yeah, like, I'd always just, that, that's what would be playing in my ear because I'd, I'd be like, oh, cool, this is stuff. Mm-hmm. Then when I started doing it, I didn't listen to podcasts much because that, now I was in it, right? There's no time to dream about it when you're actually working at it. Sure, yeah. And then, you know, maybe listen to it in my downtime. But the guys that are now doing it and they want to listen to us because they want to brush up and they want to learn stuff, new stuff, yeah. everyone's motive is profit. So... Especially, you know, with Curex and your company, I think there's going to be a good application for these guys when they want to take their U.S. dollars that they've earned and not maybe not transfer back to Canadian dollars right now, but they'll use Curex to uh, essentially, and the content you've put out on, like, the YouTube channels, uh, that they'll see that, hey, maybe I want to do some Forex trading or I want to invest um, in stocks. And maybe there's a, you know, they'll use Curex and the functionality Curex provides as well to Mm -hmm. find the best option and the best time to do that. Yeah, no, we can definitely help with that. So anybody getting paid in U.S. dollars currently, you're in a really good spot. Like the the chart is bullish, which means it's in an upward market, and there's certain exit points that are much better than others, so we can definitely help with that. And I would just love to see more money go back in the entrepreneur's pockets. Because nobody cares about us, right? Nobody gives a shit about our dreams or, like, (laughs) what we're trying to do or, like... You know, nobody cares, like, that we're trying to be, you know, take Gary's v- Gary V's advice and, like, scale yeah. things up. Like, they just don't. So how do you find these exit points on the market? So basically, there's psychological levels called resistance. So when the price climbs up pretty high, there's a lot of sellers that are like, holy shit, it's high. I should get out now. Yeah. And it ends up forming these psychological levels. Like, when I use the $20 example, it could be at, like, $30 or something. Reaches up to 30, then a lot of people are like, oh, let's get out at this point. So a lot of people will sell at those levels and it'll drop back down. Mm-hmm. So it's those resistance levels that you want to probably time to sell, sell the currency at those points. And I'll show more in the video. Honestly, it's a very visual thing. Uh, so you'll see more on those videos. Yeah, I remember that because I was yeah. reading The Intelligent Investor and um, uh, there was something awesome that he was speaking about. like Dry, but it's Yeah, awesome. it's dry. Yeah. Very, it. very so dry. <laughs> I, yeah. I got into it because... Um, I, I was like really greedy when I was in seventh nice. grade and my uncle, he had that book, so I just picked it up. I didn't understand a word of it, but I kept okay. it. So like I just tried to read it and try to suffer through it, but then yeah. I usually quit after like once he started with the freaking diagrams. <laughs> I'd be like, what are you, oh my yeah. God. Nice. And then yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd go watch the Mutant Ninja Turtles or something, but nice. then like <laughs> later on I still got into it, right? Because some of that mm-hmm. stuff stuck with me and I remember the more I thought about it, like subconsciously even, mm-hmm. I remember like the thing Warren Buffett ever always said, he was like, I never buy stock in a company that I'm not planning on holding on to for at least 10 years, Yeah. right? And I get that now because mm-hmm. it is the companies that, you know, you really research with the money you've earned and yeah. you're planning on investing. You make sure that, yeah, this thing is going to be a winner, but then you mm-hmm. buy into it when it's low and you suffer past the resistance point so that if you're buying it at 20 um, $20 a share and mm-hmm. you just sink all your money in there or however much you want to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, you feel good that it's now at 30 You don't sell it at 30 even if it drops because eventually that company will do something, something will happen which will make the share price just skyrocket. Mm-hmm. At which point you might say, okay, could be time to exit or you could just live off the dividends. Yeah, so, so what we're talking about when I'm talking about technicals with currency charts, it's very short term. So you always use technicals yeah. for plan. But if you want to talk stocks, 
I'm a big believer of value investing like Warren Buffett does. And if you're buying the company, you should believe in the future of the earnings that it's yeah. going to create because that's where it's going to create the most value. Well, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, well, maybe you could use technicals to enter yeah. a long-term stock, but the best time to buy stocks and even currently guys, so the, where the stock charts are now, we're very kind of fairly valued. Warren Buffett only wants to buy when things are deeply discounted. Yeah. So what you want to do is hold cash and wait for a major recession to happen. And Warren Buffett says, be greedy when others are fearful. So when others are fearful, they're clicking sell, 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 sell. And when you're selling more than you're buying, the price plummets, right? It drops. And when you're in a recession, it just tanks so hard. That's the best buying opportunities to get into the market. Mm -hmm. So I would advise people, if you do want to invest in stocks, to wait for a recession, then put your money in and you'll be laughing. Because everybody else is panicked because now their stocks are going down and they're willing and maybe they'll wait it out for a while and a lot of them will panic even. They'll even lose money in a recession because they'll be below yeah. water and they'll just click sell anyway because they're just, too scared. Because yeah. they think the world's dropping out and like they're going to lose all this money. But if they would have just held on to it, they would have been okay too, right? So it, it is like a feeling. It's an interesting, because I was a trader, so it's interesting psychology when your stock's down and you're losing money, how you actually react and, and it can make you think irrationally. When you think irrationally, you're you're thinking emotionally, and it's just not intelligent. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big believer too in like subconsciously just learning about this stuff. Yeah, because, and this is for more people that like right now they're just focusing on their dropshipping businesses. Yeah, and they have dreams and plans of what they want to do in the future. Like I'm right now, I'm 20 years old. Yeah, and I don't know what I'm gonna do this time next month or this time next year, mm -hmm. but uh, and I don't know what I'm gonna do when I'm 30, but. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in like learning subconsciously because there's stuff I understand today that I didn't understand like last year, a couple of months ago, but, and that I didn't actively try to learn about either, but just over time, like it just stayed still stood in the back of my head mm -hmm. and my, some part of my brain kept attacking it like during my sleeping hours or something. I don't know what, mm -hmm. but then one day I wake up and I maybe just from like force a habit I'm like also just in my downtime, I'm thinking about some little problem and then suddenly like there's a solution there. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, it took some brain power, but like it's finally unlocked. And especially with stocks, because I think that's such an interesting market. Mm -hmm. um, that's such an interesting thing to do. I'm, I'm very confident that I think me, Chris, like all of us are eventually going to be in stocks mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we're going to be like buying and selling like huge markets. Like right now, I don't know anything about hedge funds. I just know that these guys are rich. <laughs> <laughs> you should know too, that I forget what the stat is, but like, I think 70% or 80% lose money. Yeah. You should know that too. And, and any winner, the top hedge fund, usually stays on the leaderboard for about two years and then they're knocked way to the bottom. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, and not only that, they'll take 2% of your assets up front. Uh -huh. So you give them 100K, they just take two grand from you because that's what they get. And then they take 20% of all your earnings into the wow. future. Which in my mind, it's like, so there is, um, so I consider him a mentor, but he's not my official mentor, so you can't put this on record. But I went through a program called The Next 36. They pick 36 of the top entrepreneurs in Canada once a year. His name's Reza Sachu, and he just took his company public uh, like last week. It's called Alignvest Capital. And Alignvest is actually where they're investing, but they only make money if they make you money. Yeah, that's... Shocker, that's, right? Yeah. Like, they're making money if they're actually making you money, where these other guys will take 2% of you, and if you lose money, they don't care. They yeah. don't give a shit, yeah. right? There's but, no but Ray's is incredible because he sold his first company for a billion dollars, wow. second for $110 million, and he built his third and a couple others, and now he's gone IPO with this recent one. IPO, initial public offering, where you turn your private company into a public company now, 
on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Wow. And he's just an incredible individual and he likes to teach entrepreneurs. And, and this is the guy I was fortunate enough to learn from on a weekly basis wow. uh, in the summer in 2016. Wow. How'd, yeah. how'd you end up doing that? The, the next 36, you apply for it. So if you're like just out of school or you're still a student kind of, you can apply for the program. Absolutely transformational. It's, it's taught me quite a bit. And it's taught me to, to really think about building globally global sized businesses, right? You want to move the needle in Canada. You don't just want to build like a cute lifestyle business. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they really encourage you to build. For those guys that are like super like ambitious. They They want like US, they build Googles, they build YouTubes. In Canada, we got Shopify, unreal, right? We need more Shopify's and that's what they're pushing for. That's really good. I wonder if the the enrollment is open to dropouts. I think they should be because I dropped out too. They didn't know okay. it at the time though. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I think I might technically still be considered a student. Until I think you're good. I'll give you a reference for it. Yeah. Oh, good, good, yeah. So, I mean, okay, you'll see it. Okay, so there's the drop shepherd that's enjoying his um, his money that he's saving from, you know, doing these conversions um, with, with CureX and he, he starts stashing away that money and while, well, like Sam was saying earlier that you might be like learning stuff in the back of your head, you know, there might be a point in time where your situation's changed and you want to enter new fields, diversifying your portfolio because, you know, dropshipping, we get into this just because we want to build sustainability and, um, you know, long-term wealth. So yeah. as, as we build that, you probably go into Amazon FBA. Who knows? Maybe I want to go into stocks next and I feel like you'd be a really good resource to reach out to. Honestly, anybody can reach out to me about the stock market. I've been learning since 2008. That's with real dollars. So I learned when there was a crash and how it felt and the emotions that you go through. And until you feel the short-term emotions, and understand that from trading, you're never going to know when a crash happens that you're not supposed to sell or that, you know, mm. like you haven't experienced those emotions. So anybody that wants to reach out to me and just talk shop, that's what I do. And all I do is work, right guys? Yeah. Like it's the funnest thing for me. So Absolutely. like, it's not a job. I feel like I'm having fun every day. So if anybody wants to contact me, give me a shout. I would love to talk stocks anything like that anything finance i'm a geek with that stuff yeah no absolutely like yeah Yeah. what you said about work like there's no work life balance they're just life yeah Yeah. Yeah. just just yeah life and working it's all together yeah Yeah. no um but uh the curex now speaking of uh the when you said uh reza your unofficial mentor he went uh public like he did an ipo yeah I believe you guys right now, Curex is a privately owned company, but you guys yes. are still valued because I, I don't know if I should put this on record or not. Uh, uh, you your can, valuation. You don't, we just won't use the firm, but you can put it on yet. Yeah. yeah. Like the firm that valued you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. We, so, we won't use that. Well, no, I can say it though. So oh. we got offered $500,000 in what's called a seed round of investment. Right. A seed round is typically when a business isn't making revenue yet or when it's early stages. Okay. So they offered us $500,000 but they wanted a 31% stake in the company. Think of it like a dragon's den, right? Like it's, you got these investors and they want to chunk your company. Now, I don't mind giving up the equity. The problem is when I go to raise more funding, when we're valued at $50 million and I need to raise 10 million bucks or whatever it is, or let's say we're only valued at 20 million and I need to raise 10 million, Mm -hmm. they're going to take 50% now away. Now it gets so diluted, the shares. So basically I end up owning next to nothing and the founders kind of, energy levels and everything really drastically Yeah, because you're not even in charge. And, and, and half the time, the Series A guys will say, you know what, Series A meaning you do your seed round, which is the first investment. The Series A round is the follow-on investment as you continue to grow. Right. And they're not going to want to jump in because they're going to say there's not enough room for shares for, for us to get in. Absolutely. So I had to turn it down. And what that values our company at is $1.6 million today, which is kind of a cool thing to say, yeah. I guess. I don't yeah. know. 
but uh, we had to turn it down. So. No, absolutely. And yeah. you know what? I think it's kind of irresponsible. Like, I'm not naming any names, but yeah. if someone is, I think it's kind of dumb because why would someone then, I don't know if the guy's not thinking ahead clearly, like he'll say, yeah, for your seed round, I'm going to give you 31%. Yeah. I want 31% shares and I'm going to give you $500,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, this dude's got to understand that, like, if he does that and he's wanting this much, his money's going to go to waste eventually because nobody yeah. else is going to be able to fund you. Later. Exactly. Like, what if we hit that perfect sweet spot? Product yeah. market fits there. We just need 10 million bucks to grow the thing. It could be a 100 million plus billion dollar company, but we can't get the investment. And then and then the seed round, they might own 31%, but 31% of a small pie, who gives a shit? Right? Yeah. I'd rather own, if I was them, I, we would be willing to give up 20%. 20% of a billion dollar company, now you're talking, right? Exactly. I mean, 500K turns into 200 million, you know. Yeah, there's not much. There's like, not, you got to think much. about that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Just yeah. wasn't the right partners. So no, no, of course yeah. not. So then what happens? Like seed seed round happens in Series A, then Series B. You could, yeah, do B. Sometimes there's like, there's weird terms. Sometimes they go from a Series A to a Series D. Like, I don't understand, man. Everybody comes up with their own terms for it. But <laughs> yeah, it's when, when they're giving you money. Bridge though. financing <laughs> in between seed and Series A. There's another, there's a post-seed. There's a pre-seed, a seed, and a post-seed. They, they come up with all creative stuff. It's kind of funny. I think these it's guys, like, yeah, they, yeah. They, they want the best sort of deal for their money yeah and if that deal is not really fitting within the accepted parameters of what the definition is they'll make up their own term yeah right absolutely. like yeah, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> just to make themselves feel better yeah so yeah know. no that's that's true but that's that's interesting stuff because i uh before honestly though before i met you i yeah. my views were that there wasn't but then again that was before i even started my own store my views were very limited okay um but even before I met you, my views regarding companies and like financing and Series A and B, like mm-hmm. to me it was, uh, which seems dumb to say now, but to me it was always like something ephemeral. Like it'd be there, maybe, but mm-hmm. like not something that's really in my grasp or reach or like ability to do. Like, but okay. that's how I was before I even just dis- like decided that I I could start an e-commerce store. Like, yeah. I never knew you could make money online until I started doing it. Um, yeah. and even with companies, you know, but that's, that's really cool because then, you know, there's, I think, do you, would you agree that there's like a lack of, uh, there's a huge need for more entrepreneurs in Canada? I think it's there. And I think drop shippers in general, like you're the definition of an entrepreneur, you know, you're the hustlers out there. You're making something that's great because you can make revenue early on yeah. and more people that want to try and build something after that. I'd love to have conversations about that and what I've learned and the stuff that I've gone through. I'm trying to do my best to document it. I'm doing some Snapchat stuff. Yeah. If anybody wants to see that, uh, John, J-O-H-N Holland five is my Snapchat account. Um, and I'll try and do better with that. But yeah, we're, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs coming out like this, like they're building their own thing and e-commerce stores. And um, I encourage all of you guys to think even bigger, like think how you can sell those stores like you, you taught me yesterday, sell the store or grow it to have sustainable cash flow and think about other problems in the world and how you can solve them. Because that's all we do, right? We look mm-hmm. at a problem and we just want to solve it. And that's a business right there. So what's up? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I always just see like dropshipping for me is like the barrier to like get into the stuff I want to do because I have all these like crazy ideas that I want to get into, but I know some of them kind of require like a little bit of a maybe capital investment up front or maybe just some business experience that I might gain from dropshipping. So I know as I start to really like fully flourish and, you know, sell like a bunch of stores and really start like making it in big that I do want to 
get into that and you know really try to solve some more problems myself yeah i think it's awesome i think that's why we're all here right we all have yeah. the same mindset there's mm-hmm. no question yeah. i think dropshipping is a great way to get that cash flow coming and now you're free you yeah. have the freedom so you don't have to work a job at mm-hmm. you know tim hortons or whatever to survive it's like you can go out not yeah, there's absolutely. anything wrong with tim hortons cool. but, no i uh, worked at tim hortons it's, it's, yeah, it's, right? it's terrible it's horrible <laughs> <laughs> nice. hey i've done all that too i worked at a and w back in the day so hey, all, all i ever did was food service ever, okay yeah since yeah. i was 15 but nice um but then what's like i'm curious so what's the process of Say you have an idea. Yeah. I'm sure many of our readers have ideas that, you know, that could change the world. Yeah. But maybe these guys don't know how to really bring it to fruition. For sure. So how, what's like, how do you do it? Like, what's the first couple of steps you got to take? You got to understand if anybody gives a shit. So you got, <laughs> like, you might think it's this big problem and you're like, oh, this sucks. Like, here, I'll give you an example. Right. So my first business that I ever tried to build, I was clipping my nails with like a nail clipper. And I would clip the nail and the nail would just shoot away. Like... Shoot way into the air, yeah. like halfway across the room. I was like, you know what? This kind of sucks. Like, it'd be interesting if there's a way to, you know, figure this out. So I went online. I found some plastic tubing. So I bought some plastic tubing. It got shipped to my house. I cut it off. I made like a little slit in it. And I put the nail clippers inside the plastic tube so my finger could fit into the tube. As you cut the nail, <laughs> it stays in the tube. So after I cut my nails or whatever, I can cut it. And then I can kind of just put it in the garbage. Then I thought to myself, do people even care? Like, do people really want to buy a product so that it doesn't... Maybe some OCD people that are like, yeah. oh, need to be super clean, but wouldn't you just vacuum anyway? Like, it, That's a perfect example of something that you think might be valuable, but the world doesn't give a shit. So what you have to do... Is I don't know. Go, I feel like someone might now take that and... You know like, what? Run with it. And if somebody makes money off that, I would use all the power to you. I will help you with that. There, there is somebody mm-hmm. that's going to do this and I yeah. feel like it's just going to catch on in Japan and it's going to be the, the ratio. Yeah. Change the world. If that comes out to be an amazing product, I'll be so happy. And yeah. I'm not going to ask for anything. I just want you to let me know that it's out there. Uh, it sounds incredible. like some like life hack, you know? Yeah, 100%. Life hack, like a DIY tubing and a nail clicker in there. <laughs> but you're, I got to do that. Now that that's actually yeah. what I'm going to do because that's such a huge problem that I was like actually thinking about two days ago. <laughs> no, I was like trying to clip my nails and I was on the bed and it flew off on the floor and the floor was cold and I didn't want to get on the floor. <laughs> just got to big guys you know maybe yeah. it's a bigger problem than I thought I don't know maybe people <laughs> think about it but that's the thing you, you want to find something that you believe is a problem like you went through something that sucks and then you want to talk to other people that would be obje- like um, unbiased opinions so very objective feedback so don't talk to your family don't talk to your friends walk up to random strangers on the street and say hey do you have this issue or tell me don't use don't use that words but talk about it yeah. specifically as to what they go through when they're trying to accomplish this you know, what problem they have and how they get the solution done. And from there, you can kind of develop the solution, whether it's a technology product or, you know, physical product. There's a lot of resources online. But if anybody wants to reach out and chat about this, I'm more than happy to chat as well. That's good. Like specific um, use cases yeah. for certain problems. Now, let's say... And I'm that- not going to steal your idea. <laughs> get over yourself. That's not a thing. Like when I, when, when I first started too, I thought people would just steal my idea and you want to keep it secret and, oh, I need a patent first. Guys, you don't need a patent. <laughs> Learn if there's a market fit and then from there you can figure it out. The stealing idea part though, yeah. it happens a ton in well, e-commerce. In, in e-commerce. Oh, in e-commerce. Yeah. Okay. So like yeah. people will have stores and like as soon as like someone's like, yo, I'm doing a hundred grand on the store. Low barrier to entry. Low barrier right? to entry. That's like the moment people, they yeah. hawkeye that thing, they will go in. And you'll have like three competitors by the end of the day. So everyone thinks, oh, I got to get a piece of this pie. I love how ruthless you guys are. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it is. It's like That's sort awesome. of, it's, like, it's a no one need. That's why nobody ever mentions their niche to each other when oh, like okay. we're talking to other drop shippers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if we meet them in person or like we're like, this guy's a cool guy, like we'll, we'll talk about our niches, whatever. Like okay. 
I, I've shared my niches with a lot of people I've met in person. Okay. But online, like I never share my niche online because you don't know okay. what, like who's really doing it. And okay. the, the general fear is like there's some dude in China who could live off that $1 profit that you just can't. So <laughs> yeah, True, they could just drop the price, right? Yeah, they, they yeah. would just totally hammer you. Price game. And especially the guys that are like super successful. Like you'll have people yeah. that'll not even bother to get in touch with their suppliers anymore. They'll just know that this guy is making money and they'll throw up a store and they, they won't even get wholesale pricing. They'll literally link to your store products okay. just on their store and they'll upcharge every product by like 10 bucks. Wow. And really? all they want is to make that 10 bucks. Like it's ruthless, <laughs> man. Like any yeah. way you think someone can make money, right. they'll do it. They'll do it. They just got to find your niche and you're like, yeah. The funny thing is every niche yeah. will make you money and every niche is practically going to make you money i could have okay. you build up a store yeah. and it'll take about three days to get your e, uh, google pla ads like approved okay but once your traffic's up like you could start making money yeah. in like 30 minutes and that's like just some side flow for you Got it. right but and then you could just like have like an extra 100 200 a day that you could just sit on but um yeah. like as soon as people people it's kind of like the stock market like people yeah. common sense or like data or logic and reason would dictate that hold on to your stock during periods of recession and then, you know, yeah. sell high. But then people get emotional like, yeah, I've been in this niche for like a week and I haven't made any sales. This niche is dead. There's nobody <laughs> so, doing it. So short no term. Hope. Yeah, yeah, it took, it no took hope. me two and a half years to set up all the banking relationships before yeah. I could make $1 of revenue. And these guys are like a week and a half. They're like, oh, fuck it. I'm yeah. yeah. Like these guys, they'll quit after a week and a half to start yeah. complaining after two, three weeks. <laughs> and then someone is like, yeah. yeah, I'm making like, you know, $1,000 a month from my niche, which is like nothing, but I'm making $1,000. And then everyone wants to know what that is. They, yeah. If they find out, you have a store up already and like it's yeah. just nuts but that's why you got to move to Thailand right yeah. you're making money in USD and yeah. move back to Thailand yeah. there, there is because there's yeah. like the, the community itself yeah. a lot of us that we don't even talk uh, there's a few of us that do like to talk and like to communicate and do give knowledge like me and Chris okay um, yeah. but as a general whole there's like a sh so much so many people like out there like so many of us mm -hmm. that are making five ten grand a month yeah. Um, we don't interact with anyone online. We're just sitting there in Thailand in the co-working spaces yeah. and coffee shops, just yeah, making yeah. money. That's awesome. Staying, sticking yeah. to ourselves or talking to each other in person. But yeah, like you won't meet these people. Fuck working for exist. a corporation when you can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you won't meet these people unless you go and see them in person, right? Yeah. But so back to my original thing, I was asking though. So okay. step by step, like because I'm like a really specific guy, right? I yeah. can't deal in theories at all. Yeah. I can't deal with like open-ended um, questions for me. Yeah. So I have to get like specifically like, tell me what to do so I can get it done. It. But, um, it. So let's say that this, let's say a person has an idea yeah. and other people have validated it for them. So, so I hate the word idea. Let's start there. It's always a problem because it has to be a pain point for somebody where they're so frustrated with it. They're willing to spend their hard earned dollars on solving that problem. So you find the problem first. Once you figure out what it is, then you talk to other people and find out how many other people have this problem. Does anybody give a shit? Make sure it's objective, like I said. Don't go to your family members or friends. Mm -hmm. Once you figure that out, you can size up the market, see how big the opportunity is, and if it's a big enough opportunity, then you start to develop a solution. Whether that's using Envision to build like a clickable mock to oh, put it in front vision. of people, right? Like uh, that'd be like a software product or whether it's like an actual physical product that you gotta buy a piece of tube, cut a hole in yeah. it and stick your nail clippers in. Whatever it is, you have to build a product after that as lowest cost as you can, and then put it in front of those people that you already talked with. Say, hey, what do you think of this? Like, does this solve that problem? If it solves the problem, then you can find out 
what the price point is, what are they willing to pay for it, and then from there you might be able to start building a viable business. And how would, let's say if this person needs investors, how would they go about trying to grab investors, trying to grab um, just you know attention to themselves for that? So if you want to get investment funds, it has to be a massive market opportunity. Like I'm talking billions in the market. So you find all those people that need your product, you find out what they're going to pay you based on giving it in front of them and what they'll actually pay for it. Then you multiply that by the amount of people that need it. Then you have your market size. If it's big enough, investors might be interested in coming in. But there's a ton of other, like, you have to network with them for at least six months, I'm told, basically. Like, we haven't raised funds yet, but we've been networking for over a year, I would say. Mm-hmm. You have to network for at least six months. They have to know who you are. They want to see if you're a credible person. Are you going to run off with their money or something like that? That's what's going on in an investor's head. And if you've networked with them long enough and they see the opportunity and how big of a hustler you are, then you might be able to potentially raise the funds. For your That's good. And then it just has to be big enough and then they have to know that you're going to be the one to execute it. So team is huge. If you have experts on your team or people that really understand the market, they're going to want to see that. And uh, from there, it's just kind of like it's a numbers game. Go to every investor you can think of that invests in your space and try and hit up one. And how would you find these investors? I mean, you could go on AngelList, AngelList.co. That's huge. Go on LinkedIn to find them. Search on any um, big uh, um, organizations like 500 Startups or Y Combinator, Mm. anything like that. The next 36, there's mentors through that. I've heard like pretty much like stories that have been conflated to legendary status when it comes down to Y Combinator. Yeah. Like apparently anything that's been funded by Y Combinator ends up being like a billion dollar company. I think Uber was funded by them. I mean, there's quite a few like great exits or big companies that have been built. Not all of them will be, but yeah, Y Combinator is good for sure. Yeah. There's lots of things too. If you want to get started, Founder Institute is a really good program to start. It's for very early stage. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You have to apply. They take you through almost. It's not an IQ test, but it seems like it. You go through all this, all these questions. It determines whether they think you could be an entrepreneur. Then you can get into that program, and those these are accelerators that help you. Mm. After that, the next thirty six would be valuable programs like that. Next thirty six, I think, is harder to get into. It's only once every summer. Um, and then they only pick 36 people and the thousands apply, but those are programs you want to get into because it helps teach you as well. Another one, the Mars, Mars Center, which is like Toronto's entrepreneurship center, has a program that's like an intensive program to teach you how you go through the problem stages all the way to getting funding as well. Um, that's found on Mars dd.com that's yeah. their website you can find the material on there and I don't know if you can post links on something absolutely we can post links I can send a link for that yeah that was actually one of the best programs where I started how I learned the process like you're asking specifics is very specific and you do it in a classroom setting in front of a teacher or potentially just do the course online that's really interesting yeah. because when you spoke of like identifying a problem yeah we we actually thought about like you know are we because we we're still like not sure if we should call ourselves entrepreneurs because it's it's like a little I would bit say you are me. I would yeah hands because, down say a dropshipper is an entrepreneur yeah. you're literally not doing mainstream shit you're doing it on your own it's fucking hard and you have to hustle you're literally an entrepreneur yeah yeah no. well okay then <laughs> I'll call myself an entrepreneur but like so yeah. we because we still like we identified a problem here yeah uh, we took our experience from the United States and we brought it here to Canada with that problem being that yeah online shopping for Canadians and it's a billion dollar market already because I think Canadians just last year um, spending online they spent about 161 billion Canadian dollars online just last year alone and we pound for pound actually even though America has a larger market population wise pound for pound uh, Canadians actually spend more online than Americans do because 
Really? 9% of the American population, pound for pound, spends online. 11% of the Canadian population does. There's just more options in America shopping-wise, um, mm, like okay. in, in person, right? Yeah. Even though that retail is dying um, across the board. like Yeah, physical people. retail. Yeah. But um, I'd say that there's probably more like shopping, like physical commerce. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's all going it's up, right? right? It's all going up. Well, the market's going to continue to grow, right? Yeah. That's why you guys have a massive opportunity. Yeah. Exactly, and then the we saw the problem here being that uh, it's hard for Canadians to shop online because mm-hmm. they uh, we have to pay duties, we have to pay taxes, we have to pay mm-hmm. shipping for some some products. Uh, we can't get the selection that you can get, and if sure. we want that selection, then we usually either we have to be big enough like Amazon so that we can literally import stock of everything. Okay. Um, but if we can't do that as drop shippers, we have to find other ways to make this occur. Mm-hmm. which is like we can basically work on a lower margin than Amazon's. So we and tend to still offer a better deal at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the issues arise for Canadian shoppers, right? So I talk with people and I ask them way before I even launched the store, I said, where do you shop online? They said, well, I usually shop on eBay stuff. And I'd never done eBay. I think eBay mm-hmm. was like low quality stuff. But they said, we, well, I do eBay because then usually there's free shipping. They oh, hate okay. doing Amazon because of the shipping costs. And mm-hmm. apparently shipping's huge, right? So... My and our vision when we were here, we were like, okay, we need, first of all, we need e-commerce to be the culture Mm. in Canada. We need it to be the hub. And we want it to be Canadian to Canadian. So all the ideas like, um, I pitch from like indigenous art to um, supplying it to Canadians to just making sure that we want to eliminate the concept of a duty. Okay. Right. We want to eliminate that concept because duties are just absolutely nuts. I don't see any possible reason why they're even there in the first place. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it makes revenue, yeah. right? Um, but then so it's does everything else. It's bullshit tax from yeah. a country that wants to make more money. Same yeah. thing, like, they're trying to tax Netflix. They're they're thinking about t- doing an online internet tax Jeez. for Netflix, which is Are nuts. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. The, the, tr- one, the one thing we have, like, we have the internet, <laughs> we're free. Now they want to tax that shit. There's well. so much of this stuff that I literally spent an entire day and a half just thinking about whether it'd be worthwhile to just bite the bullet and move to Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> don't even get me started on Bitcoin. We could do a whole other podcast on that. <laughs> we might have to save that one. Yeah, I might have to do that one, like, because I'm yeah. I'm down for it. Because like, I want our podcast to just I'm cover a everything. Huge advocate of Bitcoin, yeah. blockchain technology, all the different cryptos, Ether. It's one called Golem that's interesting. Like, I could talk for a whole podcast. <laughs> and I, you know what? The my biggest pet peeve when it comes to Bitcoin right mm-hmm. now, or just Bitcoin and every other cryptocurrency, is like, yeah. there's so many people like speculating on this. Like, because I mentioned yesterday that. Um, you told me about the guy that you know bought a hundred dollars of Bitcoin, three hundred dollars of Bitcoin. Now three hundred Bitcoins he had. Three hundred Bitcoins. But he Bitcoins. bought it back in two thousand eleven. <laughs> and, the, and when I met the guy, he literally said, "I asked him what he did. He's like, I bought three hundred Bitcoins back in two thousand eleven. Like, that was like his mic drop moment. And uh, now it's worth over like a million. Yeah, bucks. yeah. right." And then yeah. well, now my biggest pet peeve is... That that I'm, not in, I'm not condoning everybody to go and buy Bitcoins, by the way, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's highly speculative, and in no way was that a, you know, an investment. No, absolutely. Uh, but then this is what these people see. So that's my biggest pet peeve, is that they see how Bitcoin rose, and they're like, okay, well, now Bitcoin's kind of expensive, but there's new cryptocurrencies coming out that are not as expensive as Bitcoins or the yeah. exchange rate is lower. So I'm going to buy like a thousand bucks of Ether and a, you know, a thousand dollars of uh, Golem. And then, yeah. and then like, you're like, so why'd you buy? And they're like, because it's crypto. And there's, like, there's nothing <laughs> Th- to do Those two actually do have great applications. So I like Ether and Golem, but... Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how people just jump into it. And we talked about a market, more buyers and, than, and less sellers, it'll push the price up. 
but is Bitcoin really worth $30 billion? Like, I don't know. Like, it's really just dictated by the market. But if everybody decides to start selling, you could find yourself down a ridiculous amount of money. So only invest in cryptocurrencies if you're going to do it, what you can afford to lose. Expect you would lose all of it because you never know. Yeah, and then and then you're really going to be upset, and you don't want. That. <laughs> I think your the whole life savings into yeah. every dollar you make from dropshipping goes into Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be nuts. I think, or I think you become a hundred millionaire. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. could be because you don't know. Just only invest with you. And it's with the, now with quantum computing too, because bitcoins are like people do have bitcoin farms and they mine the blockchain yeah. themselves, but they're huge server loads. But it's hard yeah. because the computers don't have the processing power, so it takes yeah. forever. And they have like CPUs upon CPUs upon CPUs, like just yeah. all over the wall, uh, cooling units like out in the mountain air, open like to cool them down. Yeah. And they're just trying to make that like it. It takes a week to like mine like I don't know like uh, three or four bitcoins, but um. Yeah. But then, like, with the new quantum computing coming out and stuff, I think Bitcoin itself was disruptive, but something that's going to disrupt the cryptocurrency market, especially Bitcoin in the future, would be something that can circumvent the amount of time it takes to mine a blockchain. Yeah, so with Bitcoin, it's every 10 minutes. So when you said it takes days, it's actually every 10 minutes. And I think the award is still 25 Bitcoins, but it could be spread out between lots of different miners. It might even be 12 and a half now. It halves every... Every certain amount of time. I'm not sure on the time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So it becomes less lucrative the more you add up everyone. Well, yeah, it. like it, it was such an amazing thing because, you know, basically it just started with, you know, I have a computer, you have a computer. Um, we're playing a game of solitaire, we'll call it. It's just the algorithm. My computer happens to be faster. So I can finish the solitaire game faster than you can. So I get awarded the Bitcoins every, every 10 minutes. And then somebody said, well, what if I, like, you hook up two computers now? And now you start to beat me, and now it's like a game. So it kind of like forced people to jump in and p- connect more computing power. And at the time, they had no idea like, you know, what this stuff was worth. They just thought it was a fun game, a bunch of nerdy guys like playing around with it. But it wasn't until, and I think it was like May 22nd or something back in, I don't know what it was, 2011, someone gave 10,000 Bitcoins for a pizza. Right, and that was the first time that the Bitcoin actually was assigned a value because a pizza is worth something. It's a physical, yeah. you know, a pizza could be 10, 20 bucks, whatever. But someone gave 10,000 Bitcoins for it, and that blew up. Everybody's like, holy shit, I'm mining these things that are worth something now. This is really cool. And that's when it just continued to blow wow. up. But think about this 10,000 Bitcoins. I don't what, know who owns they're, that. They're, it's 3,700 about. If you had 10,000 Bitcoins and now they're worth 3,000. Right? Like, what's the math on that? $3 billion? Could or be. 300 million? Like, I'm actually going to, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you cry. Okay. Um, so I, this guy told me this. Um, when Bitcoin first came out, mm-hmm. he had a hard drive on his computer. He had amassed about 60,000 Bitcoins on okay. that hard drive. This was very, very early. Like, this dude was probably, like, one of the extremely early guys. He didn't know what it was. Okay. And he just had it. It was an old computer. So, and he didn't follow the news, he didn't care, he just had it. It was mm. sitting there in his uh, blockchain wallet, Bitcoin wallet. Yeah. Time passes, a couple of years go by, stuff is moving around. He ends up actually throwing out that hard drive. Oh my and God. Uh, then like two, year, two years after that, the dude finds out what the value of 60,000 Bitcoin is. <laughs> oh like back then it was like yeah. I think for him like 10 bucks or 30 bucks of bitcoins yeah but like he found out 60 this dude was literally trying to like take junkyards apart trying to trace his hard drive down wouldn't he, you yeah <laughs> but he, and he never found it but that was like that's oh my, my biggest God. mistake because like I just threw that hard drive he'd be away. a billionaire today yeah he'd be like a multi-billionaire like 60,000 bitcoins that's crazy yeah. yeah he just threw it out and 
But it's interesting, like you can just create something and then if everyone agrees to assign it a value, now it has value. Yeah, so that's how currencies always work. Yeah. Right? Back in the day, we used to barter, they used tulips, you know, like the, if you go through the whole history of currency, we've just always used it and assigned it value, even gold, everything. It's only worth what we say it's worth. And yeah. I believe the future, like the older generations are all about gold. We don't give a fuck about gold. Mm -hmm. People wear it maybe or whatever. I don't wear it ever. But like, we're going to look at like digital shit, digital assets, cryptos. I actually think gold will tank like into the future. Yeah. I don't think it has value anymore, at least not the way it used to. Um, certain countries, obviously like India value very much. So I'm being very, you know, no, they do, very they techie do. when I say this, but I think that there'll be a lot more value on digital assets as opposed to, which is, which is yeah. interesting because I was actually telling and I'll take a trader's perspective on this because yeah. obviously I was speculating, but I thought about it for such a long time. Cause I was, I was like, yeah, money has only the value assigned to it. Yeah. So I was like, Hey, we could practically just eliminate the concept of inflation. This is how, yeah. so if, if a country um, you know, if everybody gets paid by the dollar, yeah. but now the the power of that dollar is equivalent to say a million dollars of that. Like for example, yeah. um, if Chris made a dollar an hour, right? And nice, the person <laughs> just killing it here. He the you really need Jerks to save money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had the purchasing power of one dollar. Okay. And but then inflation like occurred like on a massive scale, and he needed literally, people would be paying him a million dollars an hour, but those million dollars only have the purchasing power of one dollar. Yeah. Like, that's how inflation works. Yeah. And I thought, That sounds if, like hyperinflation. Yeah, hyperinflation. is run out of control, yeah. And then I'm like, well, isn't just inflation, like, couldn't we just eliminate the whole concept by just everyone then agreeing within that country that, all right, I'll make a million dollar note. Yeah. And now this has the power of one dollar, this million dollar note. So we'll just go by then, okay, here you go, Chris. We'll just deal in this million dollar note. Yeah. And then let's just erase the million from it and let's just put one to it. There we go. This has yeah. the power of one dollar. For sure, yeah. Would, wouldn't that technically just eliminate... So it does. That's why central banks are funny because they literally just give license to print money, which dilutes your currency. What's interesting about Bitcoin is it will max out in 2140, the year 2140, it'll max out at 21 million Bitcoins and it can never grow outside of that. So it would actually cap it, and then there would be more, instead of inflation, you'd have more deflationary, and you're, 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 the money holding it would store a lot of value, right? The value would increase, but yet you still just hold the same amount of money in circulation. See, and I think that's the power of technology to, like, solve these old issues that yeah. people just take for, like, yeah, that's just life and it's human nature. But I think yeah. that, like, the guy who designed Bitcoin, obviously, I think he designed this with that aspect in mind, yeah. the, that the power of it... I don't know, maybe in 2020, there'll be Satoshi one guy. I don't know what Nakamoto was thinking. That's the, the name yeah, the, the, uh, the guy or girl is, runs it under. But yeah, like it's, it's very interesting. And think about this, guys. We're human, right? And we're exponentially getting smarter. So when we created central banks and all this stuff, I just believe those were really smart entrepreneurs that wanted to like control everything. Like a little bit more like straight business, almost like being more of a boss than a leader where they're like, I want to be in power of people. Now we're moving away from that, right? Everybody wants a sharing economy. We want to be like technology people and be more cooperative and more to just build a better world. Like let's live in a better world where we all can like get along and have fun. And like instead of being like the magnet of something and dominating an entire industry, like it's just that's how it was built back then. Things change all the time. Like, look at our school system. We sit in rows. We put our hand up to answer. Oh, like, yeah. that's like setting us up for like the, you know, the assembly lines and like, you know, and, and it's car like, factors. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's like the school yeah. system, like I could talk forever on it though. Yeah. It was like descended from just a couple of German guys that were like, this is, it's not even just that, but like the school system itself that we take for granted today 
it came from like a few German guys and uh, a tradition of something else, and they mix it all together. And that's why it's still, I think it has a very, like a German precision feel to it. Like <laughs> you arrive at 8 p.m. promptly, 8 a.m. promptly. Nice. But no, no, the school system itself like needs a huge rework because yeah. we take it for granted like this is how we do it. But the way it was initially created, yeah. it, was, uh, it was a flawed creation from the beginning. Yeah. I've always been a big proponent of, proponent of homeschooling. Yeah. Or look at Finland or other countries that are doing some innovative stuff, right? Like they're trying to help out. Uh, they're re revamping everything and saying that we need to um, teach our kids based on their learning styles and everything else. Mm. And they need to learn about future industries as opposed to just going to school for. And, Imagine going to university kids. for marketing. What the fuck? Yeah. Who would ever go to business school for marketing? Like, it's terrible. Yeah, man. Like, do you learn anything from that? Uh, you just get a piece of paper that says yeah. you're, you're relevant. Are you in marketing? I yes. am. I am. No, <laughs> That's no, awesome. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I, am, I am in marketing, but I yeah. feel like I've learned most of my skills not in school. Yeah. And Most as in what percentage would you say? Maybe I, I'm being extreme. No, no, no. No, seriously. I think you're kind of on point. Like, I've learned about, like, 80 to 90% of my stuff outside of school <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I'm only getting the piece of paper because, generationally speaking, it's accepted that I have that piece of paper to, to make Which me, doesn't make any common sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like the new generation yeah. is not really valuing the degrees anymore, but I really did grow my skill set not really that much in school. So I yeah. think what you says has weight, but it <laughs> yeah. just kind of gives me like, you know, the piece of paper that says I'm relevant. <laughs> That's how you're mentioning so, it. I'm so, just looking so at it. If you like... want a job at Curex, I don't want to see your fucking degree. I don't give a shit. In fact, It'll be more interesting to hear that you didn't get a degree because I would feel like the other person just spent four years partying and wasted their time. Yeah, you know, not a fact, and I'm being extreme, obviously. Not yeah, you know what I, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know this all just ties back into what we originally spoke about Curex, but that's like <laughs> entrepreneurship, disruption, yeah. value signing, and fact is at the end, people in our industry and people in uh, drop shipping or e-commerce, just entrepreneurs in general, yeah. more money they can save, the more money they have to then do these investments, to then pursue their money where they want to do it. Like they, money's a tool. It is, yeah. And they will use that tool for the best benefit. But then Curex, there's, then there's companies because of Curex that they can have more of their money, like the most value out of it. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is just trying to... Um, Take they, uh, I want to use the term shafting, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> Except I did, but <laughs> that everyone just wants to take their money, right? Yeah. So that that's the beautiful thing about it. And I think you guys are gonna definitely like exponentially grow as as it uh, moves forward, as more people sign on because mm -hmm. there is an there's an eye for these things. But definitely, that's I'm not I'm not kidding. I think you guys will be the next PayPal. I think Curex will be the next PayPal. Um, I believe it too. I mean, all we do is work. It's just like, it's so obvious to me, the opportunity, it's, it's done. If anybody's interested, we've raised $122,000. We would take on, you know, smaller investments as well if anybody's interested. Just keep in mind, again, with Curex, it'd be considered a riskier investment, even though I'm sure there's still a lot of hurdles to go through. Um, but we are doing that as well. So if anybody is interested in trying a high growth potential investment opportunity, we're offering that as well. Absolutely. I'd rather give it to people that don't have those opportunities for high growth. Like all yeah. the rich get these opportunities, the angel investors, the VCs, they have a ton of money, right? But they never get it as a small guy. So if anybody's interested, we would actually be open to that. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I'm sure that uh, this is going to be an opportunity for people to especially get in because investment, it's always been that skewed playing field. You know, like yeah. a lot of people might say, that's a good idea. And you know what? I believe in it, but mm -hmm. there's not much I can really offer to you for any difference, you know, per se. Mm -hmm. But that's 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 a beautiful thing.
Well, anyways, this has been uh, this has been a great episode. I think we actually, yeah, yeah, we we did it for seventy minutes. That's awesome. Yeah, seventy cool. freaking minutes. <laughs> well, we covered about every topic in the world from yeah you know, briefly, to, right? We'll have to subcap. We'll have to yeah. break out. I think I think here. I think we'll yeah. have to do a couple more episodes later on down the road. I want to sure. talk a ton more about Bitcoin because yeah. sure. I'm moving it's a hot into, topic now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm moving into cryptocurrency and I'm looking at creating online marketplaces, especially in just the Tor network where people yeah. can actually utilize Bitcoins more. Yeah. Um, nothing illegal. Um, <laughs> Or, or just even regular. Like, I want to offer it on our stores here, and we, we want to promote Bitcoin here as well because it's, yeah. a, it's a strong currency, and yeah. I want to keep Bitcoins. I want to get paid in Bitcoins, man. Uh, why, can you accept Bitcoin? Yeah, we can accept Bitcoin. Every, all of you should do that. You, would yeah. have to, you should buy Bitcoins yourself, and then like, everybody... If all the sellers ex- or all the businesses accept Bitcoin, then people will start to use Bitcoin to pay for shit. Yeah. And then you'd actually increase the price of Bitcoin anyway. That's, that's so true. If you guys all got together, you could actually... You know, growth hack this well, We can be the Bitcoin really, mafia. You can be the Bitcoin mafia. I love <laughs> yeah. that. I love and then, that. And then one of us is still going to be alive at 2140 and we'll have like that entire 21 million Bitcoin. <laughs> hey, dude, I think we're all going to be alive at 2140 with technology and the way AI is going to... That's another, another, oh, I'm, another podcast. I, I could also talk another whole yeah. episode about the singularity, about oh the recurs while, you name it. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep talking. Yeah. Um, it was awesome having you on, Jonathan. Yeah, uh, so yeah. we're going to put it in our show notes. Uh, it's curex.com. Um, and that's C-U-R-E-X-E. Uh, it takes three minutes to sign up, so go and do it. And check out the stuff. Uh, we'll include the YouTube channel along with other um, relevant links that we mentioned here in the show notes. And uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. This has been awesome. Thanks, guys.